1: Hello,
2: hello. <clears throat> podcast Network Asia.
3: Welcome to She Talks Peace, a podcast that highlights the role of women peacebuilders around the world in bringing lasting peace and security to their communities. Eavesdrop into their conversations and get to know their stories. From the Philippines to Malaysia, from Indonesia to Palestine, from Myanmar to the United States their dreams, and their hopes for a world without violence and a world where every woman and girl can be whoever she wants to be. Hosted by Amina Rasul Bernardo, President of the Philippine Center for Islam and Democracy, and Dina Zaman, a Malaysian journalist and co-founder of Iman Research. This is She Talks Peace.
2: Salam, dear listeners. This is Amina Rasul of the Philippine Center for Islam and Democracy welcoming you to she talks peace and my lovely co-host
1: hi everyone welcome to our podcast she talks peace this is dina zaman of iman research greeting you from kuala lumpur
2: malaysia hi dina how are you doing i'm really quite excited that today this will be our inaugural release of our podcast, She Talks Peace. Imagine that we'll finally be able to reach our communities who all dream of a peaceful world like you and me, where not just men, but women and girls all have roles to play in society, whether it's social, economic, or political. Speaking of political, what's going on in Malaysia? What's this about parliament closing because of COVID and there's protests and former Prime Minister Mahathir and Anwar together criticizing? What's going on, Dina?
1: Well, as I told you many times before, Amina, um, a lot of things that happen in Malaysia should belong on television, yeah? Yeah. So the parliament was open on 26th of July. And from that day onwards, we had so many things with the Speaker, the parliament shutting down parliament because, you know, it was late. uh, To a lot of the MPs berating the women uh, MPs, you know, being sexist remarks and shutting them down. And finally, uh, when, you know, they all say, oh, there's a COVID outbreak. And it got everyone for a swab test. And here we are, Malaysians trying to figure this out because at one moment they said, oh, there's only two people who tested as COVID positive, but they're asymptomatic. And suddenly we had this press release saying that parliament will be closed for the next two weeks. Mm. In the next two days, young Malaysians took to the street and they were highly disciplined. And it was called lawan. Basically, they want this current government to step down. Mm. Because we have an increasing number of suicide rates. per day. Amina, People are not getting food, you know, the basics. And this is no longer about the poor versus the rich. Everyone is affected. Yeah. So, um, While it was extremely disciplined and it was done over in two hours, on Monday, opposition MPs then took to the streets to walk to the parliament to protest against, you know, this so-called two weeks medical leave. Because, medical you know, leave, huh? <laughs> And Anwar led it. Anwar said, "That's it. We've had it." So then, all the police came and told everyone, "You have to turn back. There is no parliament." So now, uh, right before the podcast, I'm seeing some of the MPs who are, uh, you know, who participated in that protest on Monday, being called to the police. So yes, this is just what less than one week, Amina. Yep. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow.
2: <laughs> well, it's exciting in KL.
1: Oh yeah, too exciting. So what's happening in the Philippines? Is it, you know, is it as exciting as
2: my country? Not
1: yet. Not not yet,
2: Dina. Um, Apart from our preoccupation with uh, combating COVID, because we're, again, heightened the restrictions, um, more lockdown, there'll be curfews again, um, starting, I think, Friday. But apart from that, It looks like our government economic leaders are trying to drum up support for the da celebration of ASEAN Day. They're trying Ah. to this is this is really quite fun. They're trying to drum up participation in the second ASEAN online sale day. So you and I can go shopping online and so can our guests. Uh And this will be held from August 8 to 10. And um, as you very well know, August 8 is the 54th anniversary of the founding of ASEAN. And the ASEAN Online Sale Day, I hope they have uh, a lot of uh, Malaysian goodies. It's part of the ASEAN founding anniversary celebration to boost online consumer trade. And and this is not just for the Philippines, but it's for the region and hopefully enhance stronger collaboration between stakeholders, including government agencies, businesses and consumers. And uh, according to our Department of Trade and Industry, it will advance and explore new policy initiatives and innovative technologies like online shopping. And you and me were shoppers to promote yes. cross-border e-commerce activities in ASEAN. Uh-huh. And it hopes to instill trust and confidence in online ASEAN business, including micro, small, and medium-scale uh, uh-huh. enterprises. You know, uh-huh. We have a really young and good uh, trade and industry secretary. So Ramon Lopez said, as our, economic, uh, as our economy recovers from the disruptions of COVID-19, I hope. MSMEs can harness the opportunities of the fast-growing e-commerce sector in the country to boost growth. And of course, you know how active ASEAN women are, not just in shopping, but in trade and business.
1: And I think... Overall, you know, whether it's in KL, Manila, Jakarta, Bangkok, and other cities, women in ASEAN are really empowered in business, trade, and industry. And they have been doing so over the past few decades. Don't you agree, Amina?
2: Oh, absolutely right. I mean, just look at our sisters in in Indonesia, for instance. Oh, yeah. They're leading in so many areas, civil society, for instance reform of Sharia, I mean, so many things. In fact, ASEAN itself recognizes this. That's why ASEAN, in its uh, in statements, always mm-hmm. support economic, social, and political participation to empower women and girls because they see that as helping build a stronger community. And I'm yeah. really happy we are in a region where the, the, the leaders of ASEAN have made statements that the promotion of gender equality and yeah. the empowerment of women and girls are consistent yeah. priorities. Of course, some member states may not be as consistent, but ASEAN yeah. itself uh, consistently pushes this. And uh, you have got high level political commitment uh, yeah. afforded by our leaders in advancing the rights and welfare of women and girls through ASEAN's uh, regional cooperation and uh, in the priorities and programs, hopefully, of member states. That's why we are so lucky today, Dina, that in celebration of ASEAN Day, uh, continuing to look at the empowerment of women and girls in peace, security, and in politics, that we have two guests who embody Yes. What we want to see as empowered as a young women. Don't you just feel empowered by their accomplishments, Dina?
1: Oh, definitely, I mean just looking through the bio, you know, I was thinking, wow, one, a lot of women always think that the careers stop once in the thirties or so, you know. And yeah. it's good to have mentors like this to say, look you can have this career for the rest of your life. And I'm really, I feel so lucky that they accepted our invitation. So please allow me to introduce Madam Ambassador Artali Taubing, who is the Indonesian representative to the Governing Council of ASEAN IPR. Now, previous to this position, she was the Indonesian representative to the advisory board of the ASEAN IPR from 2014 to 2017. She also served as an Indonesian ambassador to Vietnam from January 2004 until February 2008. Over to you, Amina.
2: And I'm very happy to invite somebody who I've respected and been lucky to have as as a mentor, Ambassador Delia Albert. I have known her for over 25 years, can you imagine, Tina? She has always been a North Star for ah. many of us women in yes. public service, particularly those in the foreign service. To us Filipinos, she is Manang Delia. In Bahasa, it would be Ibu Delia. Delia Domingo-Albert served as the first female Philippine Secretary of Foreign Affairs from October 22, 2003 until August 18, 2004, the first woman career diplomat to serve as foreign minister in ASEAN. She founded and is the driving force of Mm. ASEAN Society Philippines, which seeks to educate Filipinos about the importance of ASEAN and to encourage more people-to-people actions. So let's welcome our two distinguished uh, speakers. Welcome to She Talks Peace, Ambassador Albert and Ambassador Tobing. Thank you for joining us in this conversation about women empowerment through ASEAN and in ASEAN. Both of you have so much rich experience in public service and diplomacy, particularly on ASEAN matters. And I wanted to ask you Based on your personal experience, do you think our countries in ASEAN can be on the path to a more feminist diplomacy or at least more supportive of women empowerment and participation? Let's start, start with Ambassador Albert.
0: Oh, dear. Is this respect for the aged? <laughs> 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 uh, I started my career in the foreign service in 1967 when ASEAN was born and as Amina said I was social and appointment secretary to the foreign minister. I didn't know him before but uh, I happened to introduce him in a speech uh, he gave in the University of the Philippines and he had a very dull curriculum vitae so I had to put some color into it. So I introduced (laughs) in three languages in English, in French, of my French and Japanese, because I had been in Japan for four years to gain age to enter the foreign service anyway. So I introduced him in three languages and he was staring at me. And when I came down the stage, he said, young lady Tomorrow, I want you to report to my office. I said, oh, I've always wanted to join the Foreign Service, but it's always been difficult. And she said, tomorrow? Because nobody has ever introduced me in three languages. <laughs> so I think it was a lesson in being in the right place, the right time, the right people, and perhaps the right credentials. And so 67, I joined his office. And he was preparing to be calling on his counterparts. There was something moving, something cooking. And because I was his social and appointment secretary, I had to make the calls to Adam uh, Malik, to, mm. to uh, Donald Koman, to uh, Raja Ratnam was not very much in the scene at the time. There were just four of them. Mm. The Malik, whom Mr. Ramos called my brother in ASEAN. He mm. always called Adam Malik my brother. <laughs> it's fantastic because 30, 40 years later, one of the uh, the, the publisher of uh, Jakarta Post, uh, Sabam Siyagyan, mm. told me the story that Adam Mali always called Narciso Ramos his brother. Mm. Can you imagine in that period of time, these two guys were speaking about each other. And, and I remember them talking a lot on the phone, getting ready to go to Bangkok. Mm. So there was Tanat Koman on the line, who was very, very uh, active in getting them to Bangkok. There was uh, Adam Mali. There was Narciso Ramos. Uh, there was uh, Roger Atnam, of course. But in the speeches of Tanat Koman, he only talked about the four ministers of uh, Tun Razak as well, who was also deputy prime minister. And he kept talking about the four. And fi- because at that time, Singapore was very new, uh, newly independent. Remember, uh, they just uh, got over the separation from Malaysia. But uh, I think for me personally, and I've said this very, very uh, openly, the real guy who really pushed ASEAN to go on, and after the failure of ASA of Mafilindo, and Sito was uh, floundering at the time, was Koman. Of course, we have to understand that he had the threat of the communist threat that was at his doorstep. So I'm... I'm for me, it's important to understand why we learn about ASEAN, we talk about ASEAN, to perhaps a time to remember how these visionaries got together. And Adam Malik, I remember, uh, I even talked to him on the phone because I had to connect him. There was no internet, there was no nothing, <laughs> but just the phone and and the horrible Telex de- machine that you to that you have to do a, you have to find uh, the 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 whatever magic number to to get across. But anyway, to make the story short, these men were really really solid on their grounds to get together and put us in together. Uh, when Secretary Ramos came back and we prepared his briefing paper and everything, he was so joyful. He said, "You know, guys." You are so cynical. I was very cynical about ASEAN. I said so many trials went off, did not go off the ground, of Lindo, Asa, et cetera. But Ramos said one thing which kept me going on ASEAN. He said, this organization will survive because it is ours. Ours meant it was coming from them. It was not like other of the organizations then that was coming from somewhere. You had the Asian mm-hmm. Council, et cetera, et cetera. So no. for me, that was a very, very strong affirmative statement. And since then has been coming back to me. Whenever I launch a book of uh, Rod Severino, who has written quite a bit on ASEAN when he was secretary general and afterwards, I always quote that, that the uh, foreign ministers who really founded ASEAN were committed thoroughly and really worked hard at it. After I joined the service, of course, you get moving. And uh, I remember one of my dearest friends in Geneva, at that time, that was 1969, you were not born yet or your parents were not born yet. There was this wonderful ambassador, Umariadi who was married to a Japanese lady and we hit it off so well and we all talked about what the future would be like for our region. And that's what really triggered my commitment to work as much as I can, make sure that this regional grouping meant something to us to and to the future generations of people because All of us before then didn't really know each other. The Filipinos looked at America. The others looked at their other colonial rulers. And so to me, it was a breaking point that, hey, look, we're neighbors. Geography is immutable. We are destined to be together. And so for me, that's uh, the -hmm. beginning of my my love affair. With ASEAN. Love affair with, with ASEAN. I felt that even after my retirement from foreign service, uh, I felt that for ASEAN to really be effective, it should not just be the diplomats. It should not be just the people attending meetings, not just the editors writing about it. It should be the people on the street. And I think we should not lay, you know, you should not stop because we... Look, today's uh, Philippine paper said ASEAN is in a crunch. It's being tested. How are we going to address the situation that our brothers and sisters in Myanmar are are going through? And uh, I I saw the uh, interview of Foreign Minister Retno. She was saying that we have to get that envoy as soon as possible. Because to me, this is really going to be a test of ASEAN.
2: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quincecom slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.
0: Yeah. yeah. Whatever local politics we all have, but if one of us gets into that situation that Myanmar is in today, I can agree that it is a final crunch, not final perhaps, for ASEAN. And we have to regain our place in the sun that's as right a community that yeah. we are able to help our neighbors. So, I don't know, perhaps that's just an opening thing that yeah. uh, I'd like to uh, share with you because uh, I think I'm the oldest girl in the street today that can talk about us in 1967. Can you imagine yeah. Yeah.
2: But in 1967, women empowerment was not so much of an issue yet. So let's turn over. Well, to there, was
4: but, there was, but, was exactly. none. Exactly. There
2: was not none. There was none at the time. Yeah. So let's let's turn to Ambassador Arta. What do you say, Dina? Yes,
1: it would be really lovely to you. I mean, I was just fascinated listening to Ambassador Albert. And I know that I'm going to be fascinated listening to Ambassador Tauping your, when I read out your bio, I just thought, wow, all these experiences. So, my personal question would be that you know, upon retirement, right, having been you know the been nominated, being part of the ASEAN IPR, could you just elaborate on the experiences? You know, what were the lessons learned? What were the challenges that you saw in that position?
4: Well, thank you very much, Dina and Amina, uh, for inviting me. I'm really honored to be here, and I'm hoping for the best for the She Talks piece and for your organization. But I'm doubly honored because I'm here with Ambassador Delia Albert. I don't know whether you remember me, Ambassador, but I remember, I think you were one time, not Sandy G, an all-male, <laughs> APMDG, All right. but I remember how you were able to express your firmness but with elegance. And I'll never forget that. And I remember taking you shopping. I think (laughs) it was in Bandung. So anyway. Oh, I love Bandung. (laughs) You should come back. But I was really touched by how you told us about the history of ASEAN. And I think you have proven your point that our founding fathers had a sense of brotherhood and cordiality. And, you know, I'm really hoping that that will persist in ASEAN. Even now we're approaching 54 years and we've had our ups and downs. I have a passion for ASEAN, no matter what people say, whether it's slow, et cetera, et cetera. But I have a passion for ASEAN because I feel that ASEAN will grow. It's a progress. It's a work in progress, very much work in progress. But as you said, it belongs to us. And I think it's up to us. As to how to make it grow and how to make it stronger, I think for me personally, when I started with ASEAN IPR, I feel it was a blessing because I was already retired and I had just finished helping Minister Hasan Wirayuda in the um, in the Presidential Advisory Council. So I was first asked to join the Advisory Board of ASEAN IPR, which is made up of you know less government, but more track one and a half. So uh, that sort of gave color to the ASEAN IPR. But then after four years, I was moved to become the uh, governing council, representing Indonesia as the governing council in ASEAN IPR. As you're aware, the ASEAN IPR is a research institute to deal with issues on peace Uh, conflict prevention, Mm -hmm. uh, conflict resolution, and peace building. So I've really felt blessed because to be honest with you, I was never a mediator nor a negotiator, but I felt that, you know, I had a passion for peace because everybody always looked at ASEAN, you know, in terms of peace that, that I think even though some of us or some ASEAN people might look at ASEAN, take it for granted, but I always remind the students that I have a chance of teaching that one should never take ASEAN for granted. Because I think if it weren't for ASEAN, we have not been able to be peaceful with each other. Look at our brothers and sisters in in other parts of the world who who have, you know, a peace is such a luxury there. You know, uh, ASEAN IPR is relatively new. Well, it was officiated by the leaders in 2011. And then it was fully established in 2012. However, the secretariat was only established in 2017. And I think after the establishment of the ASEAN uh, IPR secretariat, uh, that took a bit of a turn for ASEAN IPR, because um, I'll tell you why. Then in 2018 was the establishment of the ASEAN Women for Peace Registry or AWPR, for which Anina is, is one of the members. Actually, it is an initiative uh, by Ambassador uh, Elizabeth Montuseso when she was the uh, member of the uh, Philippine representative of the Governing Council of ASEAN IPR. I know that some of us refer to OPAR as awesome OPAR because <laughs> uh, I do believe it is awesome. And when you're talking <laughs> about the empower of women, I think, uh, you know, normally ASEAN has always, I think ASEAN start of bringing up the issue of women was more through the uh, ASEAN social cultural community through the ACWC and ACW. Mm -hmm. However, with the birth of OPAR or awesome OPAR Mm -hmm. through the ASEAN IPR, that sort of gave a different impetus to the ASEAN Political Security Community pillar, so in a way that strengthens it, I feel that this is really a landmark achievement. Opar has two objectives. One is to build the pool of experts, which is one of the functions of ASEAN IPR. But the other is, I think, stronger, which is to emphasize, accentuate the leaders' joint statement on WPS which is to build the capacity of women or uh, as peace builders, either as mediators, negotiators or first responders. I know that Opar is fairly new, but I feel that it is very much uh, moving and it has met, it has only met twice, but in the second meeting it was able to convey a message of peace in light of the COVID situation. So ASEAN does care about women empowerment. And I think this is very important because women has always been victims of conflict, victims of whether it's wars or whether it's a household conflict. But I think through this initiative, through this effort, I think we will see that, that uh, we will gain more for, uh, on the role of women as uh, in terms of conflict prevention, uh, conflict resolution and and peace building. You know, Ambassador Arta
2: and Ambassador um, Delia, ASEAN is a child of conflict, right? The reason for ASEAN to be to come to be was because of the conflicts we had between member states and the geopolitics at the time. And over time, we have seen all the other conflicts, uh, especially. Conflicts of peoples and and their states, minorities versus majority. And in all this, it's always been proven by studies that when women are part of the decision making, part of the negotiation, part of the peace process, it's always sustainable. The developments are sustainable. The progress is made. If women are in business, the economy grows. And ASEAN, over time, finally, thanks to women like you, have finally realized this. So they've gotten statements upon statements supporting women, peace and security, women in the economy. But it seems to me that there's still so many gaps and in in, uh, your experiences, uh, not just in in Indonesia and the Philippines, Malaysia, but uh, within the whole region as well. How can our governments and ASEAN focus on moving women's empowerment uh, along so that we have a more robust community because women are are participants? Maybe we can start with Amba Arta because she's with awesome Oper, the Women for Peace Registry.
4: Well, I think you know that that's a very important question because. Uh, As I said earlier, it's uh, very much a work in progress. But, you know, I believe if you want to achieve something, I think you should continue that stride. And do not stop even if you have to stumble once in a while. But I think one has to continue the struggle to continue to prove your point. But of course, not in a kind of... uh, animosity way but but more in in a gentle firmness and because i think women have a way of you know giving options giving uh, alternatives i think because women are the center you know they're they're sort of the center of life center of the family so actually they have a lot to offer it doesn't mean that you show your weakness no not 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 at all but you show a sign of you have a a kind of inner strength and that you are also uh, able to help to uh, change situations and it's often been said that women have the natural ability to build relationships and 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 fraternity so so i think women do have a chance but sometimes i also believe that it when women move forward it doesn't mean that they don't need the men, but I mm. think women and men should work together to make mm-hmm. the world a better place, to try to achieve uh, you know, common goals and, and to attain peace. How about Ambassador Delia? You've always
2: talked to me about feminist diplomacy. So do you think ASEAN in the, the future would take the path of a more Feminist uh, advocacy, what do you think about that, Manang Delia?
0: Frankly, it will take a long time. In <laughs> you know why? Why? It took eight years after '67 for ASEAN to even talk about a subcommittee for women. Right. Why? It was not because of ASEAN. It's because it was the UN decade for women. 75 to 85. And everybody was supposed to do something. And that made ASEAN do, uh, what do we do? So someone said, well, let's have a subcommittee under the ASEAN <laughs> Summit Committee, uh, okay. That was eight years after 67. It took another, and, and so it took another period for ASEAN to really get moving with, putting in the gender agenda into the discourse. Mm. Uh, I don't know how many, well, for us anyway, in the Philippines, most of our ASEAN DGs were women. Mm. And I tell you, as Arta would say, we were we were a sole voice sometimes. You know? <laughs> uh, uh, I would go to ASEAN ministerial meeting and I would, well, I, I tried to make, use of the situation, that I was the only woman, but, but, you know, we have to do it not because you're a woman, but because you're part of the whole club. Right. Anyway, uh, just for Dina, I just remembered that my first diplomatic assignment was to arrange for a meeting between Tuna Abdul Razak ah. and Tisa Ramos. Wow ask our Saba question, Ooh. and that was right after their meeting in in uh, Bangkok. They hit it off very well, just like with uh, uh, Pa Adam Malik. And Secretary Ramos said to me, "You uh, come from the north." Can you organize something? I, I enjoyed playing golf with Tun Razak in uh, Cameroon Highlands or something. Can you think of a place? I said, my hometown, Baguio. I'll take you there. My first diplomatic assignment was to take Tuna Razak, his wife, and five of his uh, officers to Baguio, my hometown. They sat down wonderfully, golf diplomacy. Uh, <laughs> It worked, you know, it really worked. Trust and a woman. That's, that's why I had to learn to play golf. <laughs> and, 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 uh, anyway, I, I thought I'd mention that to you, Dina, because I always remember that wonderful uh, uh, meeting between Tunablu Razak and, uh, and I have a beautiful picture and, look, and I look like a 12 year old kid, you know, holding, uh, not the holding the clubs, but running after Madame uh, Tun Razak. <laughs> uh, as a junior diplomat, you do everything. You, know, you run, you do you, everything. But talking about women in diplomacy, I have a wonderful quotation for all of you ladies. And this is taken from a 20 year study on the female brain. Uh-huh. <laughs> And I will reflect what Arta said. Mm. The female brain has tremendous unique aptitudes, outstanding verbal agility, the ability to connect deeply in friendships, Mm. a nearly psychic capacity to read faces, and tone of voice for emotions and state of mind, and finally... Ability to diffuse conflict. Right. I said that in in an, in an EU meeting, and everybody said, "Let me take that down. Let me take that down," because in, in a very short paragraph, you have a description of the female brain. Was done by a medical doctor. I tell you, you must read that book, and it will confirm who you are, okay. and what you think you should be. Because it is a medical study for 20 years. And the lady is a professor, uh, I I'll, I'll give the name later on, Lu Anz And right. I thought when I read it, it took me one sitting to finish it, because then I started to identify myself, what is it in women that we have? But then I remember one speech. Of the former head of the IMF, uh, uh, Christine Lagarde, yeah. who we had breakfast in Hainan during one of these Boao meetings, and uh, we were talking. And I said, "Yeah, I was foreign minister, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. He says, "Tell ya, you know what?" He said. UN has never appointed a woman to be chief negotiator in any of these conflicts around the world. And they talk a lot about women. (laughs) So look at the record, there is no one. But then I told her, Madame Lagarde, we have a historical person in the Philippines. The only woman who really succeeded in the peace negotiations in Mindanao mm-hmm. was a woman. Yes. And 40% of her staff in the negotiating table were women. Right. And behind her, 60% of the legal luminaries or whatever were women. Right. I said, why is it that the UN does not tap all these women who have this experience and she was odd and every speech of Madame Lagarde has something about women and she said to me from now on I will put that in my speeches because uh, when she said that why is it that the UN never ever appointed so I said perhaps this is a time for a woman negotiator to go to Myanmar right and 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 perhaps through this, but somebody told me a Singaporean friend of mine said, yeah, but you're dealing with the military, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Well, military would have mothers, they would have sisters, they would have wives. Uh, so why why not take it? Why not take this opportunity that in ASEAN right. the women can be peace negotiated?
1: Right.
0: Among ourselves, among sisters and brothers. So uh, I, I thought perhaps that was one idea I, I could bring to the table. And, and then when I said earlier that it would take time for women to really, I mean, if you look at a ministerial meeting of ASEAN, one woman each time, never two women at the same time mm. out of 10. That's a bad record. uh, Bad record. And secondly, it takes a UN initiative for ASEAN to get off its butt and do. (laughs) We have Committee of Women because of the UN Decade for Women. Now you have the women. uh, It it took what fifty years to make a statement on promoting women, peace, and security. Right following a U.N. Resolution 1345, right. another U.N. initiative. So it looks like we are reacting more than mm-hmm. coming from the ground. So mm-hmm. to me, the challenge is in us mm-hmm. to, to, to be at the table. That's why I like the book of uh, Sheryl Sandberg, to lean in, to, to make yourself heard at the table without being aggressive. You can be assertive, not mm-hmm. aggressive. I think some women lose their impact when they get too aggressive. Yeah. The thing is, there's a difference between assertive and aggressive. And I think the challenge for us in ASEAN today is for the women to make the tipping point where we are really part and a uh, real actor in the uh, in peace negotiations, in, in trade negotiations. I remember the time I went to Iran to negotiate for our oil supply because of the Iraq war. And someone said, don't go, you're a woman, They they, they won't listen to you. I said, well, I'm the foreign undersecretary for economic affairs. That's right. my job. I'm right. a woman. I'm there as undersecretary for economic affairs. Right. So I, I called in the tariff commissioner, the the trade, etc. Uh, etc. Et and the uh, energy person. And I went to Geneva and I had the meeting there. And I from there I flew to Iran, and I I had to put my beautiful. Uh, I had I bought a beautiful scarf, one of the scarves from Indonesia. Like this, yeah. And then I landed in the plane and went straight to the negotiating table. Guess what? There were forty bearded men. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine entering a room with forty bearded men. And of course, I learned how to do it the Asian way. You are not going to touch their hands, mm-hmm. etc. And then one by one, my, the colleagues from the Philippines came. Lo and behold, we were seven women. <laughs> seven women facing 40 bearded men. was uh, quite a picture. And I said, hold your guns tight. Be nice. Be pleasant. But we have to get that oil supply. Yes, ma'am. We got the oil supply. <laughs> But anyway, I, I, the lesson is: it's in us to to be uh, more visible, to be more assertive, I think, and to be more participatory. Because if you look around in ASEAN today, there's so many statements, and and I, I think that we should look at every statement and and there's a state, there's a word in, in Tagalog himayin go through that. What does it really mean? What do the leaders mean when they said this? And I think this should be shared with our women groups. Uh, We have our Nice Asian Society. Guess what? Who are really interested? The women. right? Mm -hmm. But I think we have to do a lot more than what we're doing. I think, and I have to admit, we have to work twice as hard to get there. First of all, you have to have your hair done and, and have your makeup <laughs> oh, no. My hair so <laughs> uh-huh. At the same time, you must have your gun with you and make sure you're ready to use it when it is necessary. But I, I have faith. That with the growing interest of women, you know, Owen, I am so impressed with the women in Owen. I joined all their meetings. I sit at the back, but they always draw me out there. They're wonderful. We should strengthen Owen. We should strengthen all these uh, subcommittees uh, from our side. We need women in media to, to be more uh, assertive uh, uh, without being aggressive again. Right. Because that's where we lose our balance, and I think we the coast is clear. I think the the structure is there. The, the 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 road getting there. It's a it's up to us to get on that road and get together. And you know, I I wish we could have uh, more women interactions. Yeah, uh, I remember the APEC meeting. Oh, by the way, I have to boast by ourselves. The gender agenda in APEC was not taken seriously. Mm. You know what we did when we? I was Secretary General of APEC in Manila, Subic. I said, they're not serious. I'm going to ask Hillary Clinton as First Lady to speak. And I tell you, everybody will come. Every True True game. She came and she she gave 4,000 women. And as a result, Mm -hmm. APEC said, all right, now we will have a women leaders network. (laughs) And that's how the WLN came about. (laughs) We produced 4,000 women there. I Uh, was there. And and remember? And when I met Hillary again in St. Petersburg or another APEC, I reminded her, do you remember how we put in the gender agenda in APEC? Yes, she said, four thousand women in Manila. I said yes, because they—it it was not there. That was right. nineteen ninety-six. That was the fourth APEC, and now there is a woman, whatever in 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 APEC. But it started off as a women leaders network. Again, the message is we just have to keep our presence felt. Mm-hmm. I think in one way or the other, yeah. and I. I in, when I chaired the Security Council, for example, and we, uh, we had a difficult time to convince Security Council to accept our agenda, or well, my agenda was, a role of civil society in post-conflict peace building.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: At first, the guy said, oh, Dalia, that belongs to ECOSOC. I said, no, 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 no. About, After you guys make all the wars, who is left? Pick up the pieces. Right. It's the people who will have to mend their lives and put things together again. So we insisted, and Kofi Anand was so happy. He said, I like this. And that's where I highlighted the role of the women in uh, the women Peace Table in Mindanao, which ultimately led to the success of uh, Professor Ferrer, was the really the chief negotiator for the situation in, in, in Mindanao the first time ever? And I looked at the internet and it said she is his, made a history by being a, a woman who led a successful peace mm. negotiation. And I think that. Uh, Arta, you have a long uh, arm to to uh, to use for peace negotiations. You're still active. I'm in the private sector, uh, although I'm having fun with my uh, former ASEAN colleagues. I'm having. I just talked to On Keng Yong last night because he promoted public diplomacy, which was fantastic. And they wrote a book about it. And in exchange for his book, I will give him my Women in Diplomacy. So, ah, uh, I have a request to Arta. Oh sure. How many women um, have you had as ambassadors in Indonesia? Um, I would say maybe less than
4: fifty or around fifty. Not it should be more. But uh, if during my time there were like a dozen, yeah. So right? mm. well, that was two thousand okay. yeah. and four. Okay. Now I would say there's about five.
0: Five or six. Wonderful. Yeah. You know, uh, when I chaired the Security Council, Kofi Annan said to, I said, oh, Mr. Secretary General, I'm so nervous. He said, are you really? I said, no, but I, I think uh, all these men who look like penguins to me, because <laughs> <laughs> they, they are dark and white. <laughs> Uh, they intimidate me, but never mind. I said, uh, I have an agenda. And, you know, he turned to me. He said, you know, Dalia, you remind me of the remarkable women ambassadors that you have in Beijing, in London, in Geneva, in New York, in Sweden. They're all women. I said, that's right. And he said, they're remarkable. So I said, OK. So I went back home. I said, hey, how many women ambassadors have we had? who was the first women, woman ambassador? Nobody was moving on it. So I said, I'm going to do the research. I found out from 1958 to 2018, when I finished, we had 90 women ambassadors, Nine zero. Uh, now there's been more uh, added. I think there's 12 added since 2018. So it could be 100 now. But of that 90s, uh, 76 were career people like me, who started from the bottom, 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 who made it to the top. And then there were 14 one for women uh, political ambassadors.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: So I said, Let's, let me write about it. So that's how the book came about. Mm-hmm. And thanks to Kofi Annan, because he reminded me about having that. And so I... Sent word to Jakarta and I said, Can you please tell me how many Indonesian women have become ambassadors? Arta, that's your homework. Okay, I'll find <laughs> out. And I will write the book. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, you have a career woman for a minister. And then I, I, I asked a friend from Myanmar and she said, Oh, yeah, we have had five or six. I said, Okay. How about Vietnam? Uh, let me get back to you. And he said, I think, I think, but I'm not sure. We had 40. You know, data is power. Mm. Data is power. You can convince people with data. And this is what all these UN studies talk about. We need data. We have to analyze the data. Come on. There is (laughs) much already made. We have to work on what is already been written and put it together and take it to the road and uh yeah i, I think that uh, uh with the uh, women to uh, study on women peace and security uh could be a good catalyst for more uh, active performance of the women in each of the ASEAN uh, member countries. So you have Awen, ASEAN uh, Women in, in Entrepreneur Network. I tell you, especially the Vietnamese women, they're wonderful. I love them. I enjoy them. They are always on the road selling. You know, I meet them all over the world. And the way I met the, the former vice president of Vietnam, a woman, She Mm -hmm. was on a trade mission, and I saw her in the bathroom in Frankfurt. And since then, we've become good friends. (laughs) You know, so I think if we all, Arta, all of us in in ASEAN, put together all this wonderful ASEAN women uh, network, we can have a network of women diplomats. That's a great idea. We should should have a podcast just for that idea, Arta. What do you think? Ross, I think you will be surprised how many fantastic women you have out there. And perhaps they were not they're not being heard or not being seen. Uh, I, 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 I love uh, the former Trade Minister of Malaysia. Rafida? Uh, Rafida, I'll never forget her. She plays <laughs> golf from the men's box, you know? and when she has a pink golf club she has a pink hat and a pink whatever and, and they really made a statement that she can be in pink but she can hit the ball longer than men could you know like, and and wow. so we
2: go back to golf diplomacy dina what do you yeah. think <laughs> i think
1: there's a lot more that we have to you know we need to discuss and i would love first to Park have to come Again, because there's so much I'm learning and inspired by. But unfortunately, we're running over. So,
2: this conversation is just a beginning. And I'm, I'm really so happy that we have Ambassador Arta Taubing and Ambassador Delia Albert joining us for this part one of uh, maybe feminist diplomacy in ASEAN, women empowerment in ASEAN. Yes. With the slogan, assertive, not aggressive. <laughs> and, 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 with that, that, and with that, uh, we thank Ambassador Arta, who is in Jakarta, and Ambassador Delia, who is in Singapore on private time. Thank you so much for being with us today. This has been unforgettable, taking us back to the the history of ASEAN with uh, zero women at the table to today, where yeah. you have had more than 90 diplomats who are women from the Philippines, 50 from Indonesia. I think, yeah, yeah Ambassador Delia and Ambassador Arta are right. We just have to keep on working uh, slow by slow, assertive, but not necessarily aggressive. Learn golf diplomacy. And we will prevail. What do you think, Dina?
1: I think it'll be great. And when Ambassador Dina talked about golf diplomacy, it's not just golf, in my humble opinion. There's just so many ways. Through food, we like to eat. (laughs) Through shopping, through even, you know, when we women talk about our little issues with our husbands, with the children, with the pets, you know, things like that. That kind of conversations actually opens up to a lot more things, you know? Um, but I do hope, Amina, we can have a repeat. With these two ambassadors, I learned a lot. And it's like, wow. Thank you so much. Terima kasih. Terima
0: kasih.
4: So on this, on
2: this 54th anniversary of ASEAN, it has been so much fun being with Ambassador Arta. And Ambassador Delia on She Talks Peace. This is Amina Rasul saying salam and take care from Manila, Philippines.
4: Hi Shalamatya.
3: She Talks Peace is brought to you in partnership with Podcast Network Asia and Podmetrics, the easiest way to monetize your podcast. For more information, Check out their website at podcastnetwork.asia and podmetrics.co.